It's Angela Yee, and I love to travel. My friends in the U.S. Virgin Islands and I are inviting you to experience their beautiful islands of St. Thomas, St. Croix, and St. John. USVI is literally one of my favorite places. If you're traveling from the U.S., no passport is required, making travel hassle-free. I love the food, the people, the culture, and the beaches. Gorgeous. Add USVI to your vacation list by heading to visitusvi.com. That's visitusvi.com. USVI naturally in rhythm. Listen to the highly anticipated 100th episode of Tank and Jay Valentine's R&B Money Podcast with artist Chris Brown. Even working with you from Carrie Hilson, Adonis. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, I was 15, 14 doing that album. So like I said, I was in school like, yeah. okay, this is how you do it. This is how you make a song. There's a verse, a pre-chorus, and then mm-hmm. a hook. I didn't know none of that. You learned I, that over a summer, bro. That's what I, it felt like. That's what it felt like. Listen to R&B Money on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's Way Up with Angela Yee. I'm Angela Yee, and Jasmine Brand is here with me. Yes, I'm here. And today we have a big deal. And you know it's a big deal because they done swept the building a couple of days (laughs) in advance. Serious. (laughs) Michael S. Regan, the EPA administrator, is here with us, Environmental Protection Agency. So for people who are listening, right, um, what exactly is your responsibility? Oh, wow. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. And it's it's a huge responsibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, President Biden appointed me as the administrator of the United States Environmental Protection Agency. So what we do is we protect drinking water, air quality, and we're at the tip of the spear as we fight this climate crisis. Right. So everything we do is protecting public health and the environment. So it's a huge, huge responsibility. That's, and to that's, be, that's everything that yeah. we need to live. And, and to be clear, <laughs> it is a crisis right now. Um, that we're in, but I want to make sure we always talk about solutions too and what the average person can do because sometimes people feel like, well, it's not my fault. You know, there's nothing I could really do about it as long as I'm going to be alive or whatever. People have to think about people in other parts of the world. They have to think about environmental justice. They have to think about future generations and how this will affect uh, those times. I saw this is like the hottest year on record and they said even June and July and October is on record to be like the hottest month um, ever it's serious. for October. Yeah, it's very serious. And for those who don't really want to think about 50 years from now or the science, mm-hmm. when you look outside your window and you see these hurricanes, these floods, these wildfires, yeah. um, this extreme heat, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it's terrible in terms of the impact to especially our communities. But then you think about what it exacerbates. When it's hot outside in these urban areas, our kids with asthma, these respiratory illnesses, distress, our elderly, it has a disproportionate impact on our communities, our black and brown and indigenous communities. And so the environmental justice piece is just so critical, so important. Mm -hmm. And I'm proud to say that President Biden is the first president 
to utter the words environmental justice during a State of the Union address. That shows you how much of a priority it is for this administration. So how does that feel when people are bashing President Biden all the time? Because I always hear people be like, he didn't do anything for us. Or, you know, what what has happened for black people since President Biden has been in office? And we talk about environmental justice, mm-hmm. environmental racism. Mm-hmm. You even think about clean drinking water. We think of that as something that should be a right for yeah. what we have. But that's not necessarily the case in a lot of places. It's not. And, you know, I think that, listen, the president has done an enormous amount for this country in just three years. It's now time for us to tell that story. Uh, thanks to the president's leadership, my agency has three billion dollars, three billion dollars solely focused on environmental justice. Just today, we are announcing one hundred and twenty eight million dollars going to uh, one hundred and eighty six communities right, who are struggling with uh, lack of access to clean drinking water, Mm -hmm. pollution in their neighborhoods, even young organizations that just want to learn more about sustainability. We're giving grants out to help rebuild our communities. And so I'm really excited about what the president has done. Now it's time for us to talk about it, as you said, in a way that people in our communities understand what it means for them. Right, and I see that you guys have set up 17 technical assistance centers, too, across the nation. So how can people find where these um, centers are so that they make sure that their community can also benefit from this program? Listen, they can go to epa.gov. This is a priority for us, so it's on our website. And by the way, $3 billion is a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Yeah, it is. So we took about $200 million and Which is also a lot of money, <laughs> <laughs> to be clear. It's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And instead of us being paternalistic and saying we know who should get this $3 billion, we invested in 17 centers all across the country made up of communities, academic institutions. They are going into our neighborhoods building capacity so that these local organizations can apply and be competitive for this $3 billion. And I keep saying $3 billion with <laughs> yeah. a B. Yeah. That's a Don't lot play. of yeah. money. And I want to ask you personally, what made you so passionate about this work? Well, you know, I mean, I, I grew up in the South, and I grew up hunting and fishing with my dad and my granddad. But I also, in my younger years, had um, a lot of asthmatic symptoms. Mm-hmm. So on hot days, a lot of pollution, I was stuck in the house. They were out doing what they did. And so that sort of inability to join them and and engage in culture and learn from my grandparents and my my parents really had me at an early age uh, focused on understanding that connection between pollution, our environment, and our health. And so growing up, I just was focused on that. I went to North Carolina Auntie State University, Uh-oh, the largest okay. black university. I went to Morgan State University <laughs> in the country. It's not AT, Talk but. About it. <laughs> but you know, our HBCUs just prepare us so well. And so that connection, getting an internship at EPA, um, it really set the course for, for my career. And when people also have to understand, like we were talking about this, the wildfires in Canada, how that affected our air here. Like that moved over here. Everybody was outside wearing a mask. I couldn't breathe right. Yeah. You know, you don't even have asthma and you couldn't breathe well. Yeah. And you were having. Yeah. You were having issues and we all had to wear a mask outside. It was it was kind of bizarre. And if you think about the wildfires in California, you think about all of those things that can happen. um, Some people will tell you that climate change doesn't exist and there's no issues and that we don't need to be concerned about it. Um, You know, what do you say to people like that who are like, no, you know, there's nothing going on here. We don't have any issues. And listen, I, I say it's abnormal in New York 
to experience the level of smoke you all experienced from wildfires and fires in Canada. It's never happened in my life. The yeah. flooding in the metro system, the people that died yeah. from flooding. These are times of climate crisis. Now, when I talk to our young people and, and we talk about it as climate anxiety, Mm-hmm. To the point you all were making earlier, we talk about it from a solutions orientation lens. Mm-hmm. So this crisis hasn't gone too far. And I think as the government invests in these solutions, part of this $3 billion is making sure that our communities who are on the front lines yeah. are prepared for this transition. Yeah, even if you think about it, even like insurance for your home. A lot of times insurance can be extremely high depending on where you live yeah. and there's you know no protections against the flooding and you have to get flood insurance separately and that can be extremely expensive and so if you want to live in a coastal area that's not possible for certain people because they can't, can't even afford, afford it yeah. yeah to get the insurance that's and right. and so we don't even think about these little small things that is affected by the environment and why that can be <laughs> Uh, really racist, yeah. you know, here in the United States. If I'm a, I am, I'm about to say if I'm a black or brown person, I am a black or brown person. <laughs> I'm a black person. But if I'm, you know, I'm a black woman, let's say if I was in an area, uh, impoverished area, I didn't have that much money, what can I do to protect myself and my family for, from things like this? I think the first thing is is understanding that there is a transition happening and that our communities are experiencing it. And so we are trying to empower local organizations, local leaders uh, with the type of information to help protect our families, right. whether it's making sure that our homes have appropriate air conditioning mm-hmm. for these heat waves we're seeing, uh, you know, whether we're looking at as the country starts to think about electric vehicles, do we have charging stations in our communities? Mm-hmm. I think if you are in our communities, you're thinking about these environmental impacts, but you're also thinking about, well, what about the jobs? What about yeah. the economy? What about our infrastructure? We're trying to invest in all of those three things simultaneously because we have to address the environmental racism. We have to address the economic disadvantages and we have to address that our communities on the front lines, they are the, the, they are receiving the brunt of this pollution. Mm -hmm. And so you can't really solve one of these problems without solving all of these problems. And so I would encourage everybody to reach out to your local, we're partnering with the NAACP, the urban league, Mm -hmm. our churches. These are the organizations we want to get the resources, not just the government, but our local community leaders. Yeah. And I mean, I also think about times when it's cold in the house and you had to turn the oven on. I definitely did that. And leave the oven. You know how dangerous that Very. is? Yeah. <laughs> yes. And I was reading that at some point we might not have gas stoves and, and ovens anymore and that we should be getting electric because I'm working on my house and I'm doing the kitchen. And so I was doing my research and it was like, get an electric stove, get an electric oven, because if you don't have the right amount of circulation in the house too, it can be dangerous, you know, to even breathe that air inside the house. But there's a lot of things that you end up doing uh, just because you're trying to stay warm or survive. That's right. And I think we have to have solutions for everyday Americans. Mm -hmm. And I I believe that there should be a balance in what we can do as government and what we all can do in terms of personal choice. And so we're trying to balance those things. And so, you know, when you think about gas stoves, you know, some people automatically go to, oh, this is trying to solve the climate crisis. But it's actually doing what you just said, which is reducing those emissions that might be occurring in some of our homes that aren't well vented. Or if you're building a home, taking that into consideration so that you're not overly exposed to some of these toxic fumes that come from fossil fuels. I think we have to really try to bring this down to the basic human level that while this is about the environment, this is about humanity. This is about public health. 
but it's also about a trillion dollar transition. You know, this- what's up? It's Angela Yee. And if you know me, you know, I have several businesses. Well, one of them had closed down for a little while, but we just reopened it. And that is my juice bar. It's called Nourish Spot BK. And as soon as we reopened, we were really on the clock to find people who can make juices, sandwiches, acai bowls. When you want the best, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. It's like if you're hiring for your business, you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. So what's the best way to do that? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates fast. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash way up. Maybe you see the perfect candidate. Well, ZipRecruiter's invite to apply feature lets you cut the line. You can invite your top choices to apply and you can even encourage them to apply sooner. Amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash way up. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash way up. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. One of the most important things is having our voices represent us. And that's why black representation in media means so much to me and also to the black community. When things happen with current events and entertainment and politics, it is so important that we are speaking for ourselves and not have other people place a narrative on us and who we are and to tell those stories from our point of view. The next generation of influential black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Schmurter to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a trillion dollar economy when you think about energy and you think about new technologies. Mm -hmm. And so as we make this trillion dollar transition, our communities need to be competitive from an educational standpoint, infrastructure standpoint, the future for our children. They should have a part in seeing this through. Right. And then even um, I was going to say just just thinking about 
also the drinking water issues yes. that we've been having. Like we see Flint, Michigan, the fact that they for so long yeah. have had to deal with uh, contaminated water and that it, I mean, it is a process, though, right? But certain things yeah. are like an emergency. And yeah. I feel like if that was another area, it wouldn't have taken that long for that problem to get fixed. We, 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 all, we know the data is mm-hmm. there yeah. that because of institutional racism, because of redlining, because of all these things that we know that exist in history, we're seeing communities disproportionately impacted. There should never be a Flint, Michigan. Right. In 2021, I started this Journey to Justice tour because people actually thought Flint was a one-off or don't believe lots of communities are right. on the cusp of that. Newark had that issue, I That's remember. That's crazy. Lots of communities. I um, actually visited an uh, elementary school uh, in Jackson, Mississippi. Um, my son's nine, so I wanted to mm-hmm. talk to some of his colleagues about climate change his, his environment. Colleagues. His colleagues. nine-year-old <laughs> colleagues. Colleagues, I love it. And uh, showed up to the school. Uh-huh. School is shut down, but... There are porta potties lined up all along the school. I thought that was for construction, but that's those were for the children because the water pressure in that school was so low. Now this is during COVID. That's crazy. So can you imagine sending your children to school? They can't wash their hands. Oh my God. They can't that's use awful. the toilet that's inside. So dangerous. This is 2021 in Mississippi. This is kids. So this is happening all across the country. Yeah. I've spent time in Louisiana, Cancer Alley, Texas. I was just in Alaska and and visiting with our indigenous brothers and sisters, Puerto Rico. This is happening in 2023. So I'm passionate about making sure that people understand President Biden has created, along with Congress, billions of dollars to begin solving some of these solutions. We can't wait for states and local governments to do it. We have to arm our local community leaders with some resources. All right, so for everybody who's listening and they're like, okay, I need to make sure that I take care of myself and my family. I'm thinking about my future generations, my grandchildren, who's going to come after, you know, my great-great-grandchildren. Yes. Uh, we want to make sure that they actually are able to survive and thrive yep. um, aside from when we're not here anymore. So what are some steps that people can take that are uh, tangible things that are actually going to improve their neighborhoods. You know, and I think the, the first thing we all should do is just make sure that we are arming ourselves with information. You know, um, when we think about solutions, there is not a one size fit all. Um, you know, uh, I think communities in the Bronx are dealing with something completely different mm-hmm. than communities in Houston. And so I think we need to educate ourselves on how access to clean air and clean water actually benefits our communities and benefits those future generations. So just stay involved. Uh, who our leaders are that really matters. matters. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just exercising that voice <laughs> and, and, and putting your voice and your actions towards people who are actually delivering for your communities. We can't fall for the okie doke on the rhetoric. We really have to look at where the results are. And, and as the first black man to run EPA yes. and to be armed with Talk billions of dollars, <laughs> I can say we would not be here. I would not have this job if we didn't have this current Biden-Harris administration. Can I talk? Can you just talk about really quick and then you can continue with how, you know, how big of a deal that is? You know, number one, it's a blessing. Mm-hmm. Right. I think God has really blessed me to be on a path to serve. And that's what I really enjoy is the public service aspect. But, you know. Every morning I wake up, I'm kissing a little black boy on the forehead. I'm leaving. I understand I'm a black man leading this agency. And so it's an enormous amount of pressure because I want to get it right. Mm -hmm. And I want to be sure that we are represented in all of these discussions. And so um, while it's an honor, Mm -hmm. 
Um, you know, I'm not resting on my laurels. Of course you're I'm, not. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm moving forward every day. And you said you started as an intern at EPA? I did. Okay. I interned at EPA and worked there for about six years, and then I left. Okay. And and came back under the the Biden administration. Okay, Continue. the power of internships. Yep. I, just <laughs> wanted to, I wanted to bring that, that out yeah, there. Yeah, bring that up. Yeah, <laughs> just being able to uh, be in a space that you're in and how much that can affect you. Now, let's talk about um, electric cars. Yeah. You know, because I feel like that is. I want to get an electric car, but like you said, to have the charging stations and access to that. Yeah, and you're in New York too. So, mm-hmm. what does that look like for for people that are in bigger cities? You know to have access to be able to charge the car. Is this all part of the um, funding too? Or like, tell us with this $3 billion, what are what is some of this money going toward? Well, so let me start by saying, I think the last Super Bowl we all watched, you saw GM, Chrysler, Stellantis, you see all these people running these million dollar ads talking about electric vehicles. Right. So, so there are some that are trying to say the government is forcing this. This is where the market is going. Mm-hmm. So, what the president has really focused on is making sure that we have the infrastructure and the places to support where the market is going. Uh, DOT and DOE are working on a program, I think, to try to put something like 500,000 charging stations all across the country to reduce that range anxiety that you're talking about. Uh, I think Elon Musk and Tesla are opening up their charging stations. So the government and the private sector are investing in the infrastructure so that we can see these cars Sounds like everywhere. some jobs available for people, too. <laughs> right. If you want to know how to build charging stations mm-hmm. and yeah. the equipment that's needed for that. <laughs> tons, tons of jobs. And if if those investments don't put the charging stations in our respective neighborhoods, part of this $3 billion looks at projects to do just that. Okay. By the way, projects that would put the charging stations in our neighborhoods, but also Trade, trainings, education, whether it's a charging station or a solar panel that you want in your church, mm-hmm. right? These environmental justice grant dollars can can infuse into those ideas and those people in those communities. I definitely have um, solar panels on my house that I'm uh, installing. Your new house. Yeah, mm-hmm. when everything is um, done. So I have those already. But there's a lot of tax breaks also in order to be able to have that. So, yeah. you know, that's a positive thing as well. It um, is. Now, Administrator Regan, what do you say when people are like, well, this is taking jobs away from blue-collar workers and uh, people who, say, work in the coal mines? We always hear these stories about that, even though that's a very dangerous occupation to have. But I've seen that narrative also. How do you respond to that? I think part of it is, uh, you know, this administration is focused on bringing manufacturing back to the United States. And so what you're looking at uh, is an opportunity for a skills transfer from one uh, kind of employment during a certain time in history to the future that doesn't leave anyone behind. So whether you're a blue-collar worker or a white-collar worker, I think that there are opportunities. Listen, what I tell what I tell young people, and I spend a lot of time talking to young people because it is about the future, and every major social mu- movement we've seen in this country has been led by young people. Mm-hmm. So when you go to college, whether you're an accountant, engineer, or, you know, whether you're going into a trades, uh, this future is inclusive of everyone. There's a transition actually occurring. And we put resources, programs, educational features in place to be sure that not only do folks understand what this transition looks like, but how to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. And so I think whether you, you know, again, whether you want to go to college or not, right, a lot of these jobs that are 
what people used to like call green jobs. I don't call them green jobs because I think a job is a job. Right. <laughs> so these jobs are just jobs, and they will be available to folks in this country. And the last thing I'll say on that is this, this administration and the government wants this country to be globally competitive. Mm-hmm. So a lot of what's happening cannot happen unless you bring every community along. Right. I think Dr. King said that this country cannot be as great as it can be unless the least amongst us are part of the solution. And so that's what we're really focused on. And this is an international uh, focus, too, because what happens in other countries also affects what happens here when it comes to the environment. So I know that's important, too. It is. And I've I've spent a lot of time over the past three years with my international counterparts, other ministers of the environment. And, you know, what, what you see all across the, the world is the same folks being impacted. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. poor people, black, black or brown, brown people, mm-hmm. it's either the indigenous caste system people. Or it's a, a racial, <laughs> yep. yeah. That's right. And it's a global problem. This yeah. climate issue is a global problem. So we're out holding all these countries' hands, arm in arm, thinking about what we all do together, trying to create that rising tide that lifts all boats. All right. Well, let's talk about it. The $3 billion from the Inflation Reduction Act, and that is going to be advancing environmental justice. One more time, where can people go to get more information um, so they can also join in this fight against climate change? People should go to epa.gov. This is a priority, so you can access it very quickly from our homepage. And there is there are there's tons of information about this $3 billion. I will say this. My agency typically is a $13 billion agency per year. Under the Biden-Harris administration, we've got $100 billion Mm. solely focused on this transition. And by law, 40% of that 100 must go to disadvantaged communities. So that's amazing. Yeah. So we're we're really rolling out the resources and putting our money where our mouth is. Because when we think about the hottest months on record in ju- June and July, mm-hmm. again, who are the people affected? You know, we tell people don't go outside if you can get air conditioning, stay inside. Yep. Some people don't have air conditioning, right. and it's also expensive to that's have your right. air yeah. conditioner on all day. And we take it for granted. Mm-hmm. But it's very, it's very real. Yeah, yeah it's a do. real thing. Yeah. All right. Well, we appreciate you so much for taking time to come through. I know you said you were going to do it. You are a man of your word. <laughs> All right. I saw you at Essence Fest and we discussed this and then your team definitely reached out. So I appreciate you because this is very important and we want to make sure that people know exactly what's going on. Again, you're prioritizing youth engagement. That is part of the plan. Yes. Because like you said, the youth is they're always the ones that lead us. Yep. In times like this. They do. I'm, I'm excited to say in about a month or so, we're going to launch the first ever federal advisory council that is occupied solely by youth, 16 to 29. Oh, nice. That's amazing. Yeah. Yep. And so we're treating them just like we treat all the experts. Um, we've got experts on children's health. We have experts on environmental finance. Now we're going to have an advisory board solely focused on... And unoccupied by youth. I love that. Who will sit with me in public meetings? They will offer me advice. Mm-hmm. I will have to they'll take keep, that advice. They keep you in touch. They're gonna You're not gonna be out of touch hold with the my to the fire. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Explaining what's going on. <laughs> we'll have a viral dance. So that's 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 coming soon. All right. Well, please don't step down anytime soon. Okay. No. <laughs> hey, <laughs> listen. This is. This, like, wait a minute. This, this is a battle here we're engaging in, okay. and um, I'm committed to the work. All right. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate you for coming through. Um, EPA.gov. Yes. Okay, EPA.gov. Check that out. It's Way Up with Angela Yee. EPA Administrator Michael S. Regan. 
Angela Yee, and I love to travel. My friends in the U.S. Virgin Islands and I are inviting you to experience their beautiful islands of St. Thomas, St. Croix, and St. John. USVI is literally one of my favorite places. If you're traveling from the U.S., no passport is required, making travel hassle-free. I love the food, the people, the culture, and the beaches. Gorgeous. Add USVI to your vacation list by heading to visitusvi.com. That's visitusvi.com. USVI, naturally in rhythm. Listen to the highly anticipated 100th episode of Tank and Jay Valentine's R&B Money Podcast with artist Chris Brown. Even working with you from Carrie Hilson, Adonis. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, I was 15, 14 doing that album. So like I said, I was in school like, yeah. okay, this is how you do it. This is how you make a song. There's a verse, a pre-chorus, and then mm-hmm. a hook. I didn't know none of that. You learned I, that over a summer, bro. That's and what it felt like. That's what it felt like. Listen to R&B Money on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.